0: consistent word we've been getting from the Lord for 2019 is fresh. God is doing something fresh at
1: Vineyard Northwest. Fresh vision. People are coming from all over the region to be refreshed. A fresh look at our ministries and facilities, fresh fire
2: and God's increased presence, and a time to refresh some important ministry resources.
3: Hey everyone, exciting news. We're starting a four-week giving campaign. Starts now and ends May 19th, and it's called the Fresh Campaign. In the last few years, God's been doing a lot of exciting stuff here at Vineyard Northwest.
2: Uh, we've just seen the Holy Spirit moving in power, a prophetic ministry is opening up in a really healthy way, and we've been seeing our influence not only in our local
3: community but in the city and the region increasing. So, with the Fresh Campaign, we have a dual focus upgrading our Sunday morning live stream and combating heroin in Cincinnati. Stay tuned. All right, happy Mother's Day. So like that video just shared with you, um, we've been doing a a giving campaign the past several weeks. This is week three, and next week is actually the big give day. But we're really excited um, about the Fresh campaign. And I just wanna really quickly kind of recap what we talked about last week before I show you a really awesome video. um, Jordan mentioned earlier, but a video we did with a community leader who's just seen a lot of uh, breakthrough and healing in our community around the opioid epidemic. So last week, well, well, let me just start here. The Fresh Campaign has a three-part focus. First, updating our church's media. Second, refreshing our church. And third, um, renewing our city through combating heroin. So that's the thing we're gonna focus on this morning. But just in case you weren't here last week or um, just to show you again, last week we showed you some pictures and some renderings of what we're hoping to do to the building by October. Um, So really quick, I just wanna throw one of those renderings up just so you can see. This is the atrium. This is the area out there where you just got coffee. Don't worry, we're not gonna put white furniture out there, okay? That, yeah, don't worry, it's not going to all actually be white, but that's just for the sake of, you know, what, what a rendering does. I had a couple people come to me last week like, what if I spill my coffee? I was like, you're out of the church. If you stain that white stuff, like, dude, you're just done. No. So, um, a couple weeks ago, I did an interview with a guy named Will Mueller, and so I'm going to talk about re- renewing our city now and, and that part of the, the Fresh campaign, um, A couple weeks ago, I did this 40-minute—I got to sit down for 40 minutes with the assistant fire chief of Corian Township. His name is Will Mueller, and we we got a lot of really good content. We got about 20 minutes of stuff we want to show you, but we boiled it down to like five and a half minutes just for this morning, so we're going to roll that here in a second, but just to bring a little bit of context for you— in 2015, Will will talk about this, there was an effort and an idea, how can we follow up with people who've overdosed? How can we follow up with people who are struggling with heroin and really see them get um, into recovery and get into treatment? And what came out of that was an idea called the Quick Response Team. Now this has gone nationwide, it's in nine different states, 50 counties, but it started right here in Cincinnati. And Will, the guy you're about to see the interview of, um, partnered with the old um, police chief named Dan Malloy, and just pioneered something that God really breathed on, and is, is being used powerfully to see people break that cycle and, and get the healing they need. So, I want you to watch this cool five-minute interview, and then Luke will be up to talk some more about the Fresh campaign. Will, thank you so much for coming in today, um, everyone. This is my friend Will Mueller. He's the assistant fire
4: chief in Corain, but I'm not going to introduce him anymore. I just want to let you uh, tell us about yourself. So as you stated, my name is Will Mueller, Assistant Fire Chief with Corian Township Fire Department. Um, I've been with the fire department for almost 25 years. Uh, but not only that, uh, I'm a born and bred Corianian. So I graduated from Corian High awesome. School in 1990. And so this has been my community my entire life. This is a great opportunity to just educate some people. What was some of the basic? You said education
3: is a huge piece to combating the opioid epidemic.
4: Well, first of all, we really need to understand what addiction is and um, it's a very debatable and a hot topic in terms of it being a disease. Um, Addiction takes over portions of our brain that deal with reasoning Mm -hmm. and when people don't understand why somebody would sell their kids for heroin, why somebody would harm their child for heroin, why somebody would lose their job for heroin. They're not, we're not supposed to understand that mm. because we're approaching this from good deductive reasoning. Gotcha. That element is taken away by the addiction itself. People um, have surgeries. They get placed on pain medication. Um, they're taking the pain medication as prescribed by their physician. Several weeks later, they can't really live without it. So really understanding that, that a lot of these individuals who are suffering from substance use disorder didn't make any bad choices in life. They were following orders, in a sense. Last week when we were having coffee, you said that 25 years ago,
3: you never would have guessed um, you'd be doing regular heroin overdose
4: runs. Tell me more about that. Sure, Uh, when I got in the fire service 25 years ago, um, if we experienced a heroin overdose, an opiate overdose, um... we talked about it for weeks because it was just that rare wow. um, if you would have told me that hey in twenty-plus years from now you're going to experience an epidemic of mass proportions and as a result, you're going to be riding in a car with a police officer or your personnel are going to be riding along in the car with a police officer and an addiction counselor and you're going to be knocking on doors of those that overdosed i, I would have told you that you were crazy I'm like, you know we see one every you know once every six, seven months or whatever. Wow. Um, so the tide has, re- has really changed. And, the, and what we see, and, and this is no secret, that the threshold for the, the type and the strength of drugs that are being used now have just increased mm. to, to, to really scary proportions. So when we were first approached um, about the issue, uh, we were approached by uh, the mother of a UC student um, who was an engineering program, straight A's through high school, got mixed in with the wrong crowd at college, um, tried heroin one time as a as a peer in a peer pressure situation, um, became unconscious, overdosed, and was revived by Narcan, wow. um, and became addicted after that one-time use. Um, so she went on a campaign trying to. Get people on board and get people behind her to help bring more programs to the Cincinnati area. We were one of the communities she reached out to because of how large Colerain was and the name Colerain that had been plastered everywhere mm. up to that point. So, um, so she reached out to us. Um, one of the statistics I've written down is that
3: you ran some numbers back in 2014 and saw there had been a 150 percent
4: increase. Is that right? Yeah. Tell me more about that. Yeah. I ran our numbers and had seen that in 2011 we had 51 overdoses, in 2012 we had a little over 60 overdoses, and then 2013 and 14 we had 150, 160 overdoses. So we had a very stark increase and wow. that was really, uh, that really told the, the the story in Coleraine and really painted a picture for me um, that we needed to act.
3: So those are some of the statistics we hate to hear. Tell us some of the ones about some, some of the success
4: now. Right, we have conducted well over 400 follow-ups to individuals who had overdosed. Um, we have made face-to-face contact with approximately 75% of those that we go out to find. And of that 75%, Roughly 80% of those have gotten into treatment. In 2018, the first half of the year, we saw a 62% decrease in in overdose responses and then by the end of the year, by the time the end of the year finished up, we ended up with about a 40% decrease in overdose responses. And so far for the first part of 2019, we're on a 50% reduction from the same time last year. As an insider, as someone that really understands the situation, how can we be praying? Mm-hmm. First and foremost, we need to be praying for those individuals who are suffering with the disease. It's not as simple as saying, I don't want to do this anymore for a lot of people. We need to pray for the families that are um, either left to pick up the pieces or those that are currently in the heat of the battle trying to get their loved ones recovery resources.
3: I just want to say this really quick. Thank you. We really appreciate it for you and Dan and everyone else involved. Just to recapture some of those statistics for people to register them. 2013 and 14, you saw about 150% increase in overdoses. Yes. Um, Fast forward to 2018 is when you really started to see some huge huge results. About a 60% decrease first half of the year, ended at about 40%. Yes. And now in 2019, we're at? About 50%. 50%. Awesome.
1: Wow. Praise God. While I was sitting there, I felt like I heard Jesus speak to me, and I felt like he was saying, I am responding to the heroin situation in Cincinnati. I have a plan, and what the enemy has done, I have a response to it. And so we're just, jo- yeah, praise God. We're just joining in with that response. Jesus, let us just join in with what you're doing to combat heroin in our city. <clears throat> okay. So I wanna share a little bit more about the Fresh campaign. I wanna get into some practicals about how to give and about how to pray, about what to give. Very first thing, I want everyone to grab, if you haven't already, one of these envelopes, okay? So um, one last reminder, um, we're actually gonna give 10%, before I get into the envelopes, we're actually gonna give 10% of whatever we raise as a part of the fresh campaign to what will Mueller was talking about so it's gonna be really exciting just to continue to support that and yeah it's amazing so anyways these envelopes these are what you're actually going to give with next week if you're here to give or whenever you do decide to give so you can actually take one of these home with you we'll have more next week also but we we want to ask you to take one of these home with you today and I wanna also just share about how can we prepare our hearts to give? You know, there's really three things we have in our heart about preparing our hearts to give. The first one is we wanna remind ourselves that we're acknowledging God as the owner and we as the stewards. God's the owner, it's his money. It's not 10% of it isn't his money. All of it is his money. And we He is he's commissioned us to steward it well. And so we just want to remember that truth as we go into this because it can be easy to start thinking of our money as my money. And when we think about our money as my money, then we're oftentimes closing off ourselves to hear from God. Second thing, and this is kind of funny to say, but acknowledge that we want to give sacrificially. You know, sometimes I don't want to give sacrificially. I'm like, no, I want to go buy chips or I want to go do whatever, buy Starbucks. But I think it's important to be like, no, like the real me, The person, the the Jesus renewed me is generous and wants to give everything that God is asking me to give to the causes that he's putting before me. Third thing, we wanna ask God what he wants us to give and then obey. It's pretty simple. Um, It's, he's gonna tell us. You know, we don't have to muster something up. Um, We just gotta follow his lead. So I wanna shift now into a framework for how we can understand what we need to receive kind of in real dollars and cents to meet our goal. So I just want to make it really super practical right now. If everyone in the church totaled up what they gave for the last three months and they gave that next Sunday, we'd be able to do everything that we believe God wants us to do. Now I realize that might sound kind of intimidating and maybe that's not doable for everybody. Certainly there are people in here who would not be able to do that. But I wanna really keep our focus not on the amount necessarily, but on what is God asking each of us to give. I really believe that if we all just ask him, we honestly hear what he's saying and then we give that we will um, meet and probably even exceed the goal that we have of $300,000 so another, another goal that we have, we really wanna receive all of this money next week. Like it would, be, it would be just incredible if next week after the second service, we count up the total amount that we received and that's the $300,000 goal. That would just be like, thank you, Jesus, amazing. Now, there are some people that maybe wanna give, maybe they'll hear a certain amount from the Lord and you want to give the whole amount, but giving it all next week is just not realistic for you. And maybe you're like, well, maybe could I give that over two months or over three months? That's totally fine. If you want to, um, We're going to give you the option to pledge money next week as well, where you can say, hey, I'm going to give this much right now. I'm going to pledge this month before the summer's over. That would be the deadline for us. We want to receive all this money at least before the summer's over. Then you can do that as well. So we're so excited about what God is gonna do through this campaign. I really believe that there is gonna be a direct correlation with people, more people experiencing God, more people coming to, into relationship with him, and our influence um, increased in the city as part of this giving campaign. So would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're doing. We say this is your campaign, you're leading it. Help us just to join in and partner with you as best as we can. Ask for your favor and your grace to be on it. And ultimately, Lord, we just love you. We do this all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Thanks, Jordan. Well, I know you came to hear Robbie, not to hear me introduce Robbie. So I'm going to make this brief. Robbie is a personal friend, a family friend, and he is a father to this house. Uh, he doesn't live here, but he has poured so much into us. What we see happening in our church right now is so much the result of Robbie's ministry. And literally, one of his sons is on staff here and uh, and getting married today. So one of our other staff members has become uh, Robbie's Daughter in law today. But um, yeah, it's going to be an awesome day. Uh, Robbie has a powerful word from God for us. Uh, Just excited to welcome him up here right now. Robbie, come on up. Let's welcome Robbie Dawkins. Thank you.
0: you. Bless you. Awesome. Well, before I get started, I'm going to invite Aaron to come up really quick. And um, if he, oh, okay. Uh, here, let me just do it. He's <laughs> <laughs> he was going to save me from having to explain some of this stuff. Last time we were here, we had just some, we have some resources out there at the table. Last time we sold out of our Breaking Darkness, which is a deliverance series that I did for TBN. It's a nine-part series. And then we had a bonus disc with uh, uh, myself and Brian Welch doing ministry at a corn show. It's an hour-long special that they had released, uh, including the nine-part series. So if you're interested in that, those are now out there. Finger of God, too, if you haven't seen this movie, how many of you have seen it? Raise your hand. Okay, man, it's, it's I wish I had time this morning to show you the uncut part of it, uh, but we really don't. Maybe when I come back, and that's me nudging them to invite me back, um, I can show it to you then. But it's, uh, it's, it's a white knuckle, I'll tell you that. Um, and then also my third book, Do Greater Things, uh, which is... Um, one of my favorite stories in it, I think I shared this when I was here last time, was us doing a, um, an invitation to accept Christ and a healing demonstration in a mosque. Um, I thought the imam was going to order our being killed, and instead he ran off the guys who were wanting to kill us. And so uh, it was really powerful. And then we have, this is fresh off uh, the, I don't know what they call this printing or silk screen or whatever, but anyway, uh, we have our risk t-shirts. If you follow us, if you don't follow us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, you can click on there and you're going to see tons of cool testimonies. It's just to keep you doing this stuff, but you can do that, but it's uh, turn up the risk and how do we spell faith? R. I. S. K. So this is talking about stepping up and risk. These are these. Th- this particular T-shirt is our number one bestseller right now. All the proceeds of all this stuff help us to go to our mission stuff. Um, and then this is one of my absolute faves because this is a phrase I say all the time. How many of you know we need to get back to preaching the prosperity gospel? True prosperity gospel, according to Scripture, is martyrdom and persecution. No claps on that one. (laughs) Too late, you missed it. (laughs) Closest place to the throne of God in heaven are those who've given their lives for the sake of the gospel and have gone through physical persecution uh, for the sake of the gospel. My friends, that's true prosperity. That's true prosperity. It's interesting because I'm actually going to kind of talk on prosperity in a different way today. And then this one is our Take a Toll t-shirts. If you don't know that part of the message is if the enemy comes after you. We are currently extracting a toll from the enemy for the 330 martyrs in Sri Lanka. And so we're going after a thousand people to bring to Christ to make the enemy pay for killing 330 of our brothers. We're gonna. He's finally gonna get it that he has to pay for each and every one that he takes out, and then he's gonna realize it's gonna to be too expensive to keep killing believers. And so that that is that message is back there. So we were just at Bethel, and and Bill Johnson was like, tell everybody how you. Uh, how, how you make the enemy pay for whenever he attacks uh, the body of Christ. And I was like, you're on my Instagram. I appreciate that. You're following. That's good. Because <laughs> that's the only way he would know. And so um, it was really powerful. We were also just in uh, Toronto. Um, our friends at CFAN um, invited us uh, there and um, was pinch hitting for Heidi Baker because of the tornadoes and stuff in uh, uh in uh, Mozambique, um, uh, we opened it off, uh, opened up the night, opened up the weekend. They're kind of doing a series on sort of redigging the wells of uh, revival, and so they were in the the building where we, my wife and I, went and just got powerfully touched and impacted um, by the Lord there, and so um, it was. Full circle for us to come back in. I mean, it's the reason why we came into the vineyard is because of what we experienced in Toronto. And so, um, it, with that in mind, I kind of want to launch into something uh, this morning, and I want to, I want to, I just want to tell you now, brace for impact. This is something, and I really want you to pray. Just even pray over yourselves that the Lord just help you. See some things in the spirit, and see some things by the spirit that you may not normally just see in the natural. God has something to say to us today, and it's and it's important that we get this because it's it, it'll change everything. If you get offended by what I'm about to say, uh, then good. You probably should get offended. Um, So many times I look back in my life when I got offended by stuff and I realized that the offense that was happening was uh, the Lord highlighting a religious spirit that I had and he was putting his finger on it. And it's, it's, it's something that's important for us to realize is we as the body of Christ, when people approach you about stuff that happens of the spirit of God in this place, stop being apologetic for it. My friend Corey Russell uh, says this, and I love it. He says, quit treating the Holy Spirit like he's the drunk uncle at Christmas. You know, you got the drunk uncle at Christmas that kind of makes trouble and kind of makes a scene and all that. And he's like, the Holy Spirit will bring stuff to the surface. He'll bring problems and issues to the surface to get them dealt with. But don't treat him like the drunk uncle because he's not the drunk uncle. But he will mess up Christmas. Christmas. He will mess up Christmas. And I love that. We immediately sent that message out uh, when Corey preached it at our church and said to all of our kids, you've got to listen to this. Because we got a couple of drunk uncles that don't drink. They just, you know, they're not even uncles, but <laughs> they kind of stir stuff up uh, in that and that it happens. But I want to talk to you about unclaimed. If I were to title this, I would call it unclaimed. And I want you to really open up your spirit and open up your heart. When I was a kid... Um, there was this company, and it's probably still in existence today. I haven't ever looked in this area, but I remember they would, they would advertise when we were living in Atlanta, Georgia, and our parents were uh, pastoring a church and starting a Christian school there. And uh, they had this uh, this company called Unclaimed Freight. Uh, does anybody know if that's still in existence today or not? But what it was, was it was this uh, company that they had started a business based on People that were shipping either air freight or, or overseas freight on ships or land that would arrive to its destination and nobody would claim it. And many times it was massive shipments that comp- this company, Unclaimed Freight, would come in and they would purchase sight unseen and pay many times pennies to the dollar for things that, were, uh, that, that had not been picked up and that were unclaimed. And sometimes it was, it was things that had immense value. Other times it was stuff that was sort of valuable. But they were grabbing a hold of things that were unseen and taking them and turning them and then turning around later and selling them something that they had paid paid literally, like I said, pennies for and and then turning around and making a 75% profit or even higher based on what they had paid on it, either because of the weight or whatever. But they were getting these things and it was an interesting, they were making a killing doing it because they were picking up things that were being delivered to others, but were unclaimed. They were meant for others to receive, but they were unclaimed. And there's unclaimed inheritances, that are there for you and I that we haven't picked up yet. There's things that God has for you. There's also things that have been in your family line that were intended for your family, that were intended, that were passed down, that you may not even realize were there. Things that were by the Spirit of God that were released, callings, giftings, anointings, talents, abilities that were released that were unclaimed. Now, let me tell you something. The enemy is, the, is a thief. And he will seek to claim what God has released as a blessing to expand his kingdom, capture it and prostitute it, and turn it into something that will draw people into darkness. He will try to use those giftings, talents, and abilities to, to, re, to claim those and to use in his counterfeit kingdom if they're not grabbed a hold of. There's lands even. It can even get into tangible things. Lands, physical inheritances, even of money, things like that. I know that sounds contradictory to what I just said in holding up the t-shirt. But I'm telling you this is true. That the enemy has come in and, in and robbed and stolen. And there's a way to recapture that because God intended it to be, in your bless- to be in your possession for the purpose of blessing his kingdom. Now let me tell you something. The ultimate inheritance according to the scripture that is, that is being released on the earth is the inheritance for Jesus to receive millions and billions of souls for the sake of the gospel. If you look at scripture, it talks about that over and over. Jesus is willing to go to the the crucifixion of the cross, to go through the torture and all that, to bring back, to reclaim souls that have been lost, to reclaim lives that have been lost. And we say souls just to specifically understand humanity, to bring them back under his lordship and to reclaim that which the enemy has stolen, that which has been lost and has been stripped away. Everything that you have in your possession, everything that you are in talents and abilities ultimately are for the goal of doing that. But Paul makes it very clear when he says, when there, there was an argument over him using some of the offering money to eat with, and they were like, no, don't, don't touch that for your travels. You need to go, you know, you need to work this job where you've collected this. And he stops and he says, don't muzzle the ox while he's treading out the field. God will let you and intends for us in something that Luke had just said, all of this blessing of our finances, it's not that 10% belongs to God. It's that all of it belongs to God. And we as stewards have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit to know how to release that and how to give that in order to release a greater inheritance. Why? When you take a look at the, 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 the servants that were given the talents, that were given the money. It was based on how they used it and multiplied it and how they sowed it versus hitting and hoarding it that gave it in order for them to receive more. They were promoted. The money was not theirs. It belonged to the master. It wasn't given to them to keep. When one of them treated like it was something given to keep and to hang on to, he was rebuked and it was taken away and given to the other one because he did not use it in accordance with the master's will. God is calling us to use what he has poured into us for the purpose of the master's will. If there's an anointing on your life for healing and you're sitting there only focusing on what's going to advance or build your ministry or your kingdom, you will lose it. Because it's not about building your ministry. It's about building his ministry. It's not about building your name. It's not about drawing attention to us. It's about drawing attention to him. That's the inheritance for him. And he's glorified when we take the seed that the tactic of the enemy in the garden was to lure Adam and Eve into a desire to possess for themselves rather than being under the blessing and the grace that the father had intended them to be in in relationship with him. So the enemy comes and says, God's withholding from you. You know, if you eat of this tree, you won't die. You won't die. They were forbidden and restricted from the tree of life because they partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Whenever we seek to possess intellectual ability or we seek to possess something that builds us up or increases us not saying being intellectual or being intelligent is bad it's not but when that becomes the pursuit and all of a sudden it becomes god we are we are undermining the purpose of what god has given that wisdom for us for when it's to bring him glory it's to lift him up Adam and Eve saw that tree and they were drawn to its wisdom that it would give them and it gave them no wisdom. It gave them poverty, despair, it gave them hardship. Because when we are lured into equality, when we're lured into that place to have as God versus just being under the blessing of relationship with him and seeing that is him bringing into us. So we get that as God part by relationship versus owning ourselves. You see, that's the fall of man. The fall of man is when we seek to control what God has and make it our own and keep it under our control. Does that make sense? Am I, am I making sense to you? Okay, here, I pray you hear this by the, by the word of the Lord. Because there's so much. There are angelic visitations. They were meant for your family members. They were meant for your, your, your predecessors that, that were not released or not seen or came and they missed it because they wrote it off as a dream or they wrote it off as something in their imagination and they didn't value it for what it really was. That God wants us to reclaim. He wants us to step back into. He wants us to receive again. There are, like I said, there's giftings, talents, even finances, even land that God intended for but the enemy stripped away. He stripped away and he stole. And it's, it's terrible when that happens because God wants to release that. And it's, it's something that, that can be reclaimed as a part of a bloodline. And that it can be reclaimed and we can stand in the gap. But it has to be activated in order to be received. If you want to receive it, you've got to activate it. You've got to step into that. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 uh, through 33 in the NLT, it says this, for God's gift and his calling has never been withdrawn. When God releases a gift or a calling, he doesn't take it back. So if it's been released, it's sitting there if it's not been acted on. If it's not been activated, it's been released to the earth and no one stepped into it. So it sits there and it waits. Billy Graham said this when he was being interviewed by Time magazine. They asked him, they said, why you? Why you say God chose you to do this? Why did God pick you? And he said, because there were many others that said no. There were others that God picked, but they said no. So he came down to somebody who finally said yes. Yes. You're talking about seeing a transformation, this, this project you're working on that you're sowing into next week. You're talking about seeing transformation in your community. My friends, that transformation and seeing that broken off your community is an investment in yourself and your children and the generations to come out of you. It is not just about giving in to those people over there because those people are you. They're in your community, therefore they are you. When we see the down and out, the broken, the hurting, the wounded it is not them, but us. All of a sudden, then we've embraced the heart of the Father. Then we've embraced the heart of the Father. And look at that person who's struggling and in agony and pain. It's not well; they got there by their own doing, but look at them and see that could be my son. That could be my very own blood over there. You see, that's the heart of the Father. It's when we embrace that in that way, and then all of a sudden it breaks our heart when we see that pain. He says, he goes on to say in verse 30 in Romans 11, once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. You are on the outs. And they rejected the promise. They rejected the Messiah. And so he opened up and said, whosoever will. He's speaking about the receiving of the inheritance that that was intended for the Jewish people. That they rejected and now you and I and they surrendered in Christ. And now you and I are brought in to receive. We still pray for them that they will open their eyes and embrace. Because God had an original promise that we want to see again reclaimed and not left unclaimed. But you and I have been brought in of the promise to another, because they didn't embrace it. Does this make sense? Am I am I am I am I putting you to sleep? I can read from the book of Numbers. I'll go there if I'm if I'm if I'm making you drop off. Just trust me. Verse thirty-three. This is skipping down to thirty-three. He says, "Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge." There's great wisdom, riches, and knowledge that is waiting, that is waiting to be tapped into, that is waiting to be received. Many have gone unclaimed. Many inheritances that have meant, that were there. There are, there are entire uh, websites of, of, of bank accounts of people who passed away that are sitting there. I'm not talking, hear this not from a monetary perspective, I'm giving you an analogy. But some of them are in monetary. It's not bypassing that monetary. But when all of a sudden, we, 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 the, the people don't realize what is there, they don't realize what has been left to them. So they don't, uh, they don't claim it because they don't, they're not even aware that it's there. They're not even aware that it's sitting there waiting for somebody to activate their identity. Let me show you my driver's license. This is who I am. That inheritance is mine. you see what I'm saying? When you activate your identity, you receive the inheritance that's being released. When you step into who you are, when you activate who you are by acting like that person who you are called to be then all of a sudden the release of that inheritance comes. This could easily be mistaken and just get in and write and written off as sort of prosperity thinking. How many of you know God prospers? God prospers, but the ultimate goal is not your cushy life. The ultimate goal is the inheritance of Jesus being brought in into millions and billions of people coming to him and bowing before his throne when we all are surrounded his throne in heaven. Isaiah 60, 1 through 5 says this, Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises and shines on you. This is the statement to those who are the recipients of the inheritance. The contrast is, darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. What is he saying? The only way they're going to see the light is when you're in their midst. Because the the light is arising on you. You can't just intercede for them over there to get the light. They get the light as you go. They get the light as you go. Does this make sense? Your job, your workplace is not going to be transformed until you start shining. Your grocery store isn't going to bow its knee to the Lordship of Christ until you start shining. It's it's powerful. And it says all the nations will come to your light. All the nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Look and see for everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming uh, from distant lands. Your little daughters will be carried home. Your eyes will shine. Your heart will thrill with joy for the merchants from around the world will come and they will bring you the wealth of many lands. Why? Because when you shine... From what is being shined upon you, what is being released upon you, when you reflect it, when it shines, people recognize it and they're drawn to it and they want to be a part of it. Why are they bringing the wealth? Because in order to have affiliation, you sow into. It's a principle of the earth. You want to get corn? You got to sow corn. You want to get apples? You got to sow apples. When you see something of value, you want to sow into that in order to reap that, in order to receive that. Heaven has its own economy. Heaven operates off of a different economy than we understand. And if you take a look, for instance, uh, R.G. Letourneau, an amazing man. My father used to tell, uh, my sister's here. My sister Ella is here, and she's uh, with us because of Micah's wedding. And so glad to always have her when she's around. But we'd hear our dad talk about R.G. Letourneau our entire lives. R.G. was was a hero to my father. And when you hear his story, I hope he's a hero to you, too. But God gave R.G. Letourneau an, an idea of how to make large tires uh, for, for land moving. Nobody else could do it at that time. They couldn't see it happen, and God gave him this idea. And R.G. Letourneau, it, it, you know, almost overnight became an extremely wealthy man. But R.G. Letourneau made a commitment that his wealth would be in sync with God's will. He always determined that. And after many years of living and, and experiencing this wealth, he, he went to his wife and he goes, we're giving 10% to God. But he says, but we've got, we've got so much, we need to give more. So they prayed and they decided in their hearts they would give 20%. And so they gave 20% the next year. At the end of the next year, they were looking at their finances and he says, we still have too much. This is crazy. We have too much. So the next year they did 30%. On and, on and on and on it went. The last, I think it was the last 20 years of R.G. Laterno's life, he was giving 90% of all of his income and living off of 10. Nations were transformed because of R.G. Laterno. He sent out. He was. He was provide. He built Bible colleges. Uh, there was uh, Toccoa Falls in Georgia, and Toccoa Falls, Georgia. That entire Bible college is there because R.G. Laterno built it. No one else contributed to it. He built it all himself, and it was for the sending of masses to the nations. And he would fund them as they left. And he would, He saw because he understood. And his wealth still. When they decided to look at just the 10% that he lived on, he was still one of the top 10 wealthiest. And if they took away the 90%, he still was one of the top 10 wealthiest people in the entire nation. Why? Because when your wealth syncs up with God's will, blessing flows even more. There's a release that happens when the wealth of your talent syncs up with God's will. When the wealth of, of, of your gifting syncs up with God's will. When everything starts sinking up, you've been given something to say to the Father, how am I to spend this and use this for your glory? How am I to release this? How am I to give this for you in order for that your fame would be spread, that Jesus would receive his inheritance? You've been given to so that ultimately his inheritance would be received. God is making a promise that he will restore the great light in the midst of darkness in this passage. That he will restore it. He's committing to bring home uh, what the enemy had stolen away and to restore the radiance of a tarnished people of God. That they would be restored as they stepped into looking and reflecting him rather than gaining for themselves. Does this make sense? One person, yes. Okay, good. I'm glad I really got you, really got you locked in here. But all of a sudden what happens is when we lose focus of that, it gets tarnished and snuffed out. We lose it. A mighty move of the Spirit can happen in your life, and all of a sudden you'll have people around you go, you know, kind of tone it down. You're getting a little weird. You're getting a little crazy. You're getting a little off course. You kind of want a little too much. Are you going to listen to that? Are you going to listen to what God's doing on you in the moment? Are you going to roll with what he's doing, what he's releasing? The power of the spirit that is being released in and through you? Because that's when you will shine and the nations will see it. Not when you stop and you yield to the voice and go, Oh, I've got to make this palatable to ungodly people. Hello? Now you're waking up. Isaiah 49, verse 8 in the King James, it says, Thus saith the Lord. And I love it because King James says, like, thus saith the Lord. And I love that powerful. And man, sometimes you get them like that. And when you get them like that, give them like that. But don't add that to it to make it thus saith the Lord if it ain't. You know what I mean? Because then it'll jack it up. It'll mess it up for you. Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee. This is God speaking. And I will preserve thee, and I will give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, to cause to inherit it, desolate inheritances. The desolate heritages, the desolate, what has been, was supposed to be released and in heritage is something that goes for generations. It's something that just doesn't stay with one. But those who, that have become desolate, there are things and there are moves of God that have become desolate in our day and time because they were abandoned or walked away from or, or, or released too early. <sighs> I got a text, uh, you guys, anybody ever see the Marilyn and Sarah show? Anybody ever watch that show, Marilyn Hickey and, and Sarah? So they sent me this text this morning. They didn't know I was preaching in a vineyard. I sent it to Van and, and Wilson. They sent this message and they said, they said, um, Robbie, it's Mother's Day. Are you ministering today? Question mark. The answer is yes. Two words, Lonnie Frisbee. <sighs> See, only the people who laugh understand the story. Lonnie Frisbee, uh, you know, if you know anything about him, he was this young hippie preacher that nobody gave any attention to. This young 19, 20 year old kid walking around the streets of L.A. praying for people, leading people to Christ. Flowers in his hair, you know, bells around the, uh, his bell bottoms, barefoot. You know, probably didn't smell the nicest, but he was preaching Christ and leading people to Christ like crazy. He meets a guy by the name of Chuck Smith, and Chuck Smith invites him into a church called Calvary Chapel. And it just, Lonnie coming in, literally within, I think it was within two months' time, the church grew from about, I think around 100, 120 people to over 1,000 within a couple of months. And it was filled with all this counterculture people, you know. And, and they had to make room for it. What came in was very uncomfortable to Chuck and to the rest of them, because it was very different than anything that they had seen or felt or been around. You know, it was very, it was very uh, in their face, so to speak. And Chuck made lots of room for it and, it, and sort of in the culture, the hippie culture, there was allowance. But eventually, Chuck became very uncomfortable with the Holy Spirit activity that Lonnie produced. And he began to try to confine it and begin to try to... So there was a permission for you to come in barefoot and a permission for you to come in shirtless, but you couldn't come in, you know, releasing this power of the Spirit. It was being confined. And so all of a sudden, they began to see it diminish. Well, John Wimber uh, began to recognize that, and he was the pastor of the Yorba Linda uh, Calvary Chapel. And so he invited Lonnie in Mother's Day, and there's a big debate of whether it's 1979 or 1980. Well, if it was 79, we are today at the 40th anniversary of that visitation and that outbreak of revival that happened at that church today. And as Lonnie uh, stood up to preach a visitation and the power of the Holy Spirit hit so strong and so hard, a group of young people instantly began to speak in tongues and erupt in tongues. And there was this massive way. John didn't know what to do. John John was sitting on the keyboard just looking and staring in awe and shock at what was taking place, because he had, as his term in Calvary uh, Chapel, he had not seen such an outpouring in that way. He had seen it shoved off in the side room for his tenure in that time. But all of a sudden, this massive release of the Spirit happened. Well... John, of course, picked that up. And John was more of an equipper than Lonnie was. And he developed, you know, equipping and equipping people from all over the world. But later, there was, there was they moved and began to equip and began to release. And they were rolling with the launch that had come in that Mother's Day. But we see sort of in 1995, where in 1994, the release of the Toronto blessing or revival or outpouring, as many then called it, the outpouring in Toronto, at first then called it the Toronto blessing, and then now uh, have, have seen it as a massive revival, uh, where, you know, that occurred, and there was this, uh, there was this cr- incredible visitation that was impacting nations, impacting nations. But again, what happened is, is that there were certain people that were threatened and fearful and began to want to restrict and restrain, just as uh, Chuck had done with Lonnie. All of a sudden, restriction and restraint started coming in to block that. And this time it was sad because it was like the board that was leading at that time. And we saw in 1995, uh, through various circumstances, a parting of the way, but there was a diminish that occurred within the Vineyard Movement. There's no, there's no question that happened. You could look all through history, and you could see something was lost. Same thing happened with Brownsville Revival. All of a sudden, there was a division between uh, Michael Brown and and uh, uh, forgot his name, huh? No, Michael Brown and the pastor Kilpatrick, John Kilpatrick. There was a divide that happened over them, an argument over some things that had happened. And immediately everybody who was going to the Brownsville Revival said when they went from one week to the next, it was like a switch had been shut off. Why? The enemy had come and robbed an inheritance. The enemy had come. That was only a 15-year run for us and our heritage. and And so let me say this. When we see all of a sudden, there is a desire when whenever we try to come in and try to control anything of the spirit or try to legislate or come, whenever we do that, there's a loss that occurs and there's an inheritance that then gets shut off and it lays dormant. It's like we've alluded. This is something that uh, my friend Sean Boltz wrote in in a book that he said, and he wasn't specifically speaking to this, but I was just with Sean last week. And he said this, Since the advent of Christianity, most moves of God have happened within the confines of a church organization. When these moves did extend beyond the reach of the church they impacted only thousands but were meant to impact millions and they are restricted to thousands because at some point there's a stepping in and there's something that releases uh that that comes to say all of a sudden this is reckless or this is dangerous or this and we seek to control we've got to pastor things right We've got to lead and guide and pastor and bless, but whenever we stop to, step to come in and control. Now, this is not giving you permission to come and to tell any of the pastors, hey, you're starting to get in control of this or this because you're not letting me do just whatever I want and make any messes I want. Don't go there. That's just being immature. If it's for, if it's to, pro, again, because if it's for the building of your ministry, then that's not the goal of Christ. It's to bring the inheritance to Jesus of his. That's the goal. The Lord told me thousands were impacted by these revivals when they were intended for millions. Before I had read that in that book, thousands were, it were impacted when it was intended for millions and millions and millions to be impacted. Hebrews eleven thirty nine 39 through 40 says this in the NLT. All these people earned great reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised so there was more to be released. There was more to be released that they didn't receive. For God had something better in mind for us so that we would not reach perfection, that they would not reach perfection without us. This is saying to us, there is more of an inheritance to be released, but too, too often they're cut short. You may have received a great reputation and all that, but there is a greater inheritance beyond what you've just received. There's more that the Lord has for us. The people of God in the past earned a great reputation, but none received all of what God had for them. What does that mean? There is more. There is more. There is more. There is more to receive. How many of you received greatness from God? Raise your hand. How many of you received just great stuff from God? Just keep it up. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Guess what? There's more. I don't care how much you've received. I don't care if you've been blown away. I don't care if you've levitated and flown around the room. My friends, there is more. There is more. Are we going to be content with what we've just experienced or what even our fathers have experienced and counter? Are we going to limit it? There's always more. Matthew 16, 19 says, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I believe this is not something just talking about where many have said, and I saw a video where Rob Bell said this is particularly talking about biblical truth and what is open for, uh, you know, being able to, uh, you know, to to teach on or to say that there's still more revelation to receive or whether it's bound. I don't believe that's true. I believe he's talking about spiritual inheritance and a release of that even into natural inheritance. He's saying that there is more to be released, a binding and loosing, And this is something, this is a word, of course, that's being spoken to Peter but that but that represents the church because he was the leader of the church and coming to be there's always more are we ready for the more are we prepared for the more are we prepared but how, the only way you're really prepared is if you're making the commitment to sync your provision with God's will when my the provision that he's given me I don't care if it's like only five bucks what Lord what do you want me to do with this Lord, what are you telling me to do? How are you telling me to invest this? How are you telling me to release this? There's a war. That that There's an attack of the enemy. The enemy comes against because he sees a threat that is there, and he will strike against it. My post about bringing a thousand people to Christ in response to the 330 lives that were taken in Sri Lanka, I got an uh, Instagram warning that my, several of my posts were dubbed as hate speech because of talking about converting Muslims and Hindus into Christians and that if I did it one more time, they would completely remove all, all my accounts on all social media. <laughs> what does that tell you? What I'm saying is in sync with what God's speaking. (laughs) Because the enemy hates it. The powers of the air hate it. (laughs) Let them threaten. (laughs) I don't live by the likes on Instagram or Facebook or any of that. Who cares? (sighs) When we were in Toronto and we were... um, when I was uh, there and, and at the end of uh, speaking, uh, uh, Cindy Jacobs, who I just met. Man, I got a long way to go before we, get, before we land this plane. <sighs> Cindy Jacobs, uh, she stops at one point and she calls me up. We just met on the plane before. Did, I, I, I don't really know Cindy. Or just, we just had just an exchange of a few sentences and words and identified ourselves as fellow and Just really basic, you know. And she calls, she calls uh, me up on stage. She says, Robbie, come here. I want to prophesy to you. And there, there's an incredible outpouring of the spirit that was happening at this thing. And she calls me up and she turns to me and she says, the Lord is asking you, will you bring me one million souls from the Middle East? Will you bring me one million former Muslims to come into a relationship? Will you give me one million? And man, I felt the spirit of God hit me and I ended up on the floor just like I did many years ago and I was rocked for about 20 minutes. It was shake and bake right on the the stage, man. You can see it uh, on social media as it was happening. And as I'm laying on the ground, I just had this conversation, Angie and I had had this conversation with Jeremy Riddle backstage where I told him, I said, yeah, everybody's going after these big stadiums of this. I said, dude, I don't care about the mass amount of people. I want to impact and equip the indigenous people to take their nations. I want to, I want to, I want to equip and impact them. You know, the big meetings are cool, and I think they're great. I'm not speaking against them, but I'm like the truth sort of, you know, vision of transformation. you got to think China and the underground church in China and impacting these closed nations. And I said, I want to go after them. And I had just said that to in the back room, and, is, and she says, she made this comment. She goes, the Lord's transitioning you from a place of, of, of speaking in churches and in arenas to bringing you in stadiums. And he's going to put you in a place of stadiums. Now, in my mind, as she, I'm hearing her say this, I'm like, I don't really care about the stadiums. I want to see it from impact through that. I get up off the floor and I go over and I sit by uh, Sean Balls and he looks at him. He goes, million stadiums? He goes, dude, that's too small for you. You're taking nations. You're going after nations. You're going after nations. Why? Because when you allow your vision to be bigger... Don't dream within the realm of your possibility. Dream within the realm of God's possibility. Don't limit him. Don't limit him. Get beyond just what you think and how you see it. So much has been stripped away from the church because of being consumed with the thought of materialism. And we lost what true prosperity looks like, and that's bringing Jesus his inheritance. That's being, you, uh, God will make people wealthy when they decide that they are being made that in order to advance his kingdom and expand his kingdom. He will let you uh, be blessed. He He won't muzzle you in doing that. He will bless you beyond measure. Too many times I've had, you know, churches and ministries that, that restrict, if you see something happening in the world, sow into that in order to reap where you are. Don't stop and go, well, we just got to focus on, you know, just this, but go beyond that. Go to the, why? Think bigger than what your impact is. You want to receive, the scripture talks about a prophet's reward. You want to receive that? You do that by giving to them, by sowing into that. And you receive it. Sowing into nations to receive for yourself. If we are motivated again by that materialism, it's being motivated by pride and by just self-gain. In Revelation 2, 26, in the King James, it says, to all who overcomes and who obey me to the very end, and I love how the Message Bible says it, who stays at it refusing to give up. Refusing to give up. To them I will give authority over all the nations. Let me say it again. To them, I will give them the authority over all the nations. Some of you are just trying to figure out how to get authority in your own house. God's vision for you is bigger than your vision for you. Start stepping into his in order to achieve yours. Does this make sense? Am I speaking a language you understand? I want this to hit your spirit hard because let me tell you, God is calling us to an awakening. We are here to recapture. My friends, there were incredible gifts and callings and anointings that people... Died too early to see the fruitful. My mother, which I've preached about her in this church before, my mother died too early. That woman was called to transform nation. There was anointing on her life that was called to transform. That's an inheritance for me and my sister to walk out in. Not just to receive of, but to walk out in. To step out into. I'm not going to let that anointing and that talent and that gifting lie bare. I see that talent in my children. Every time they step up to the keyboard or grab a guitar and begin to sing and begin to lead in worship, I'm like, oh, there it is. Now they're taking a hold of their inheritance. Now they're taking a hold of what God intended to go for generations. And not just for one person. It lies dormant until you pick it up. Other people dropped it off because they stepped into sin. They abandon it. I've been very public and I've shared very public my father's struggles and, and he's told me to. He's encouraged it because he was very public with it. But everybody, my, my whole family, uh, look extended family, they look and they say, you are living your father's dream. Everything you're doing was your father's dream to do for his life. My sister can attest to that. It was his dream to go to nations. It was his dream to go and just preach the gospel and to equip the church all over the world. It was his dream, but it got cut short because the identity thief came in and robbed him of the truth of who he was called to be. Well, that calling is without repentance. God doesn't take it back and go, and you didn't spend it well, so I'm removing it. No, it sits there until somebody reclaims it and activates it and steps back into it. I'm determined to live my life doing that so that I can look back at the enemy and say, you thought you stole a calling, but I'm reclaiming it for the sake of the gospel as an inheritance for Jesus. I'm not limiting as in a million souls from the Middle East. I just want a million from the Middle East at least, and then I want millions elsewhere. Selah. Stop and think about it. Why then do the wicked prosper? Job 21, 7. Why do the wicked prosper? Why do they prosper? Why isn't the body of Christ prospering like the we're seeing all these wicked people prosper? I'm gonna tell you right now, because God refuses to control man's will. He refuses to control man, you know, he refuses to take away his will. God doesn't desire to control. Man seeks to control, not God. God doesn't seek to control all of humanity, or he would just made us as a bunch of zombies. You see, the testament of that, the truth of that, the, 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 the evidence of that is in him giving us free will. He gave us free will so that shows God is not a controlling God. He's not a dominating controlling. Only man seeks to control. Only man seeks to hinder and cease to keep restricted and keeps boundaries. Boundaries didn't come in until the fall and until sin came in. Does that make sense? It's true. Law wasn't in place until there was a walking away and abandoning of the tree of life to grab knowledge of good and evil in order to control wisdom, in order to control natural thinking and an intellectual ability. Then there was a surrender of relationship. We pursued that knowledge rather than relationship. Zechariah 4, 6 says, this is the word of the Lord. This is the word he's speaking to us, the Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. These are inheritance that will not be re- achieved, my friends, through natural might, natural talent, or natural ability. They will only be reclaimed by the spirit of the living God. By us syncing up with that purpose, with that will, I pray this awakens in your spirit. So many of you have seen inheritance. So many of you have had callings that got stripped away. Maybe there's some of you uh, moms here that all of a sudden you you had this dream to do stuff for God, but all of a sudden you started having babies and you're like, oh, I had to surrender that or an education that you felt to get, that you weren't allowed to get. That is lying there waiting for you to reclaim it. Don't look at your children or your husband as having robbed, it, robbed you of that. Reclaim it. It's waiting for you to grab a hold and run with it again. In closing. <laughs> Romans 4, 17. Is this speaking to your spirit? Yeah. Guys, I'm telling you right now. You want to you unlock physical inheritances that have been stripped away from you? You want to unlock that? How does that happen? How do you you activate that? By sowing. By sowing in finances to release it, to unlock it. When all of a sudden the enemy starts hitting your finances, that's not the time to hoard, that's the time to sow. And sowing is beyond giving 10%. 10% is the minimum. That that was already said here. I think Luke said it or Will said it. That's, That's just the minimum. When you live in, you want to live in abundance, you live in abundance by stopping and saying, God, it's all yours. Just tell me where to write the check to. Tell me where to release it to. 10% belongs in this house as a promise and as a commitment, as this is where I'm planted, this is where I'm at. But above that, the Lord's going to say, here, 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 pour here, pour here, pour here, in order to see transformation in your city and in the entire world. And an inheritance, and then the Father will see that your your actions, your spending, Ooh, that was a little close. I was about to, was about to levitate right there. That was the opportunity, and I you see that? I'm going to reclaim that inheritance right there. Romans 4, 17, the latter part. For if God's presence, for in God's presence, he believed God can raise the dead, speaking of Abraham, and call into being things that don't even exist yet. That's an element of faith. Why? Because they do exist in heaven. They're waiting in heaven. They're just waiting to be put into action. They're waiting to be released here on earth. They're sitting there waiting You're not waiting for God to do anything. It's there waiting for you to step in your true identity to reflect God as a giver, as a planter, as a steward, as a sower, as a benefactor, as a father, as a mother. And as you do, the release of heaven comes. For some of you, it could be like us where there was either a life cut too short... Or it was, a, 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 you know, a parent who, who slipped away from their calling because, you know, the identity thieves came in and stole them away and, and stripped away from them the kingdom because they were, they were meant to do incredible things. When I look at the talent and gifting of my father, I was like, he, sh- he would go way beyond anything I've done. He was just such an incredible leader. There's some of you here, and I want to give us a you know, response. And I, don't, I didn't look at what I'm supposed to do next. Is there some, something happen after this? Okay, just make sure, sorry, Aaron sat there and went down the whole thing and I ignored all of it, all of it. Sorry, that's on me. But there's those of you that you're here and you realize there's a spiritual inheritance that got laid down or lost or stolen and you want to reclaim it. And when I say it is spiritual inheritance, I'm talking about that there's something that was of, somebody was called to something or you, and you feel like that you missed out because either, or maybe you let fear come in and strip you of it. Or maybe, or maybe there was distractions in relationships or hurts that, that, that robbed you of that. If that's you, stand up right now. It may be of generations past, of, of in the past that you're in, you inherit. Or it may be of, 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 of you yourself and decisions you made or things that happened to you or the enemy coming in and distracting and robbing. I want to make sure that you understand the clarity of what that is. Now, there's those of you that feel like there's been physical, there's been natural inheritance. Maybe it was land or something that was stripped away. Or maybe it was a blessing in in, in finances or something like that, that the enemy came in and and it just robbed. Somehow it got robbed. Somehow it got stolen. If that's you, stand up. Something that, that should have been given to you, that should have been released to you. For some of you, even, it may not be in the spiritual realm. It may be in the emotional realm. That There was something that was lost of compassion or care or or concern or something that was lost in that way that needs to be recaptured. Please don't hear this as a rebuke at all. Those of you who are sitting, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what was there that you're not aware of. And those who are standing right now, just close your eyes and just say, Lord, what was stripped away that you are longing to restore? Just right now, Holy Spirit, speak to me. For some, it may be a history of broken marriages that were supposed to be lighthouse marriages. But the enemy has come and he's stripped away and he's robbed. Now, for all of us, Lord, we just say, any wells that have been closed up, any altars that were built for you that have been torn down, let them be restored. In the name of Jesus, just speak that out. Just begin to speak out what it is. Begin to speak out what you're, what you're believing God for to restore. Just speak it out. Just say what it is. It just, I don't know what I'm saying. You have to shout it, but speak it out. You need to let it leave your lips or you will not let the enemy know what you're coming after to be restored to you. You need to hear yourself say it. It may be callings. It may be giftings. And Father, right now, by the authority of Christ, I pray that there to be a release of restoration. And even as I've mentioned here, what was lost over the vineyard, we pray a recapturing. What was abandoned, what was left unclaimed, we today reclaim in this house. We today reclaim the blessing. We call this place an artesian well to spring up a watering hole that nations will run to. A watering hole that will spray far and wide and its impact will not just be known here in the greater Cincinnati area but all over the world. We reclaim that which has been abandoned, walked away from, stifled or controlled for it to be released. And we say, Lord, let it spray Let it spring up. Let it alter the the terrain of all that is around it. Now, for some of you, you just need to just tell the Lord where where all of a sudden you moved away from that and just say, Lord, I, I just repent. I'm not talking about deep, maybe stepping into deep, dark sin, but you just didn't, you knew it was there and you just, you walked a different route. I just say, Lord, I'm getting back on that track. I'm reclaiming that, which was lost. And then I went to the ministry team just to come up here. And if you're feeling something stirring of the Spirit on you, that is to reclaim something either for your house or for your family or for yourself or for the release of of what's been in the vineyard or even... uh, Because that is not just a promise over the bigger, broader group of churches. That's a promise that's for Northwest. It may have started 40 years ago. But it's here for today. And if you are, if you're like, I need, I want somebody to pray with me in agreement, to recapture and to reclaim that. I just want you to come up here for prayer right now. I just want you to come and just have these guys just pray for you and just release an agreement. I don't know where the, if any worship type person is close or near. Just as you're standing there beside that person, that's standing near you, if they aren't coming up here, just reach over and put your hands on each other and just say, Lord, I just thank you for a restoration of all that was stolen or lost or abandoned. Just bless each other with that.